Hello, my good bitches. So, I just got back from a tour of the Balkans where I overall made a net profit of minus 10 euros. Um, but, uh, I, so I flew into, I flew into Ljubljana, which is in Slovenia, but most of the dates I had to do were actually in Croatia. So I hired a car and at the airport, the guy was like, are you planning to drive this car out of Slovenia? And I was like, obviously I'm planning to drive the car out of Slovenia. I'm hiring a car in Slovenia. If I was going somewhere in Slovenia, I'd <laughs> fucking walk. Like, have you looked at this country recently? So he charges me extra because I want to drive the car out of Slovenia and I'm like, fucking fine. But then I regretted driving the car out of Slovenia because I had to drive along the Croatian highways, which were all built by like Tito himself. Um, and I'm passing, I'm like really hungry and I keep passing all of these motorway service stations. I'm like, oh, I need to make some phone calls and I really want to eat something. And it, But every time I pass one, I'm like, well, I can't pull over at this place. This looks like a place that didn't know that Yugoslavia ended, <laughs> like literally. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to get to one with like a McDonald's or something at some point at the very least. And after like two hours of this, I'm like, oh no, they're all the same, aren't they? Like every single one is like, oh, just has a place called Restaurant. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fuck it. So I pull over at one. I go in there and there's like a girl behind the bar. And I'm trying to get some food. And then she like hands me an alcohol menu. And I'm like, no, I've driven here. I want food. And then she like points to this like cat rotating cabinet of delights, right? And there's this thing that's like a big like pasty, but it's made out of bread. And she's like, it's a pizza. And I'm like, that's not what a pizza is. <laughs> and, then, and she's like, pizza inside. And I'm like, okay, fine. So it's like this kind of cursed Balkan calzone. And I'm like, can you heat it up for me? And she's like, yeah. And then I pay for it and she just hands it to me. And I'm like, no, can you heat it up? And she's like, looks at me like I've grown a second head. And I'm like, no, like heat it like warm. And I start saying like Russian words for hot. And she's still not getting it. And I just point at a microwave and I'm like, microwave. And she's like, oh, okay. And she puts it in there for like seven minutes. <laughs> so it comes out like fucking nuclear. And as I'm waiting for her to do this, all these like huge middle-aged Croatian dudes come in and they start talking to her. And she's like, oh, yes, yes, of course, one second. And she turns to them and then she just, there's like three dudes and she racks them up like eight shots of rakir on the fucking bar. <laughs> they do them. Then each take a like half a litre bottle of beer, go outside, quickly smash them in like five minutes and then get back in their car. <laughs> like, Welcome to fucking Croatia, my friend. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to TF. How's everybody doing out there in podcast land? Uh, write in. Write in and tell us. Not to the DMs. Figure out our address. Send us a postcard. We have uh, Milo Venom. Edwards... Hey, recently it's me, back boy. from the Balkans, reclining on the couch like one of the French girls from Titanic. Right. Uh, Hussein. I'm back from America. And trying to figure out a Bluetooth keyboard. It's not working. I like I feel I, I spent so I, DM me if you know how if you know how like the Bluetooth keyboard works. That's the thing. We need someone. We we've actually gotten and hired our web designer for getting your Um we now need someone to advise Hussein on Bluetooth. Also, we need content for gettingyourdicksuck.com. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all connected because I can't write the content for gettingyourdicksuck.com, a very serious news journalism <laughs> website, exactly. unless my keyboard works. So it's it is actually a serious news journalism website. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! You don't know. Oh, I okay. don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm really. I can't tell whether that's serious or uh, a fun, fun satire. Um, uh, it's both. <laughs> it's a good both, question. Yeah. It's both. It's both. Yeah. It's. It's. Yeah. It kind of. 
The only joke is that it's called gettingyourdicksuck.com. But everything else about it is incredibly straight-faced. And that's what makes it so funny that it's called gettingyourdicksuck.com. It's going to be slow news. It's going to be well-funded by like the Barclay Brothers. No, us. We kind of saw what like Tortoise Media were doing and we were like... Yeah, I mean, you can get your you can get your news as slow as a tortoise, or you can get your news as slow as getting your dick sucked. Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting your dick sucked by a tortoise. Dot com. <laughs> and, and incredulous at our incredible new slow news proposal is, of course, uh, Virgin's James Vincent. James, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm so happy to be here in your lovely basement. Um, boudoir. I'm not sure how what the right word to describe this place is. There's just a lot of like feels sort of accidentally steampunk just because of the amount of exposed wiring and pipes on the wall. When um, we first got yeah. the studio, we had a, we were in a different room, and you they, said no, we want more wiring. We, 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 we no, the, the room there, because of the faulty plumbing that caused a, a shit smell to come out from the sewers. <laughs> they gave us a bigger room, but in that room originally, uh, before they had an electrician give us just like a regular PowerPoint, it had what looked like this tail of a stegosaurus and then like a plug for clearly like a commercial range or some kind of like heavy duty cooking appliance. And it was just like, oh yeah, it works. You can plug your phone into this thing, but it's just hanging out of the wall. <laughs> and it's just like, this place is normal and I'm going to die here. I charge my phone with pure plutonium. <laughs> Every, we, we often do have to discuss the previous office. And what I like is that every time a new thing about it that was completely awful comes out. So, well, you may not know all the reasons the listeners now know one more reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, so look, a lot, a lot has happened since we last um, put on our podcasting spurs. Oh, and of course, Nate Bethay on the boards. Per yeah, usual, yeah, I'm here. Thanks for not introducing me, Riley. But it's okay. I'm gonna be this this episode. This is the closest to a produced live show that's not actually live that you're gonna get because we're recording at almost 6:30 p.m. and this is gonna be out at midnight. So yeah. if I don't talk, it's because I'm furiously doing the levels, so I'm not here till midnight. <laughs> he, he's and then getting yelled just, at by big wife when I get home. He's just gonna he's just <laughs> gonna replace Riley's voice. Of like Waluigi. Waluigi. I sound like um like a nineteen thirties gangster. It's very cool. We We're all love podcast, it. See, why yeah. guy? Exactly. Him and, and Wario, it's like Laurel and Hardy or Jacob Wall and, and um Jack Berkman. Oh, or yeah. um doing that press conference or, it was interrupted by the bin man. Or Marc Francois and um Jacob Rees-Mogg. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. It's Marc all... Francois, a man who went paintballing <laughs> once and it changed his life. I've said it once and I'll say <laughs> it again. All like, every every reactionary nationalist movement needs a Laurel and Hardy. And mm. that, those are ours. Just the difference is ours are elected officials as opposed to just people who have said they're in that hedge fund and spy industry long enough that enough enough morons believe them. However, mm. we're talking we're going to start off today talking about some other elected officials because the conservative party beauty contest of new leaders from the Sage to Matt Hancock MP uh to now Liz Truss continues apace as I think there are like yeah. 21 who want to replace Theresa May as leader something mm. like this but only one will leave alive <laughs> guys the Tory party leadership it's like the Met Gala but more fabulous and the theme is fascism <laughs> <laughs> so um look we all know that Matt Matt Hancock Matt Hancock is trying to He's trying to be the nation's dad, but he's trying to win the kid's affection back after a messy divorce. He's trying to be the nation's cool uncle. Yes. He's like the uncle that like gives you schnapps at Christmas dinner when you're 15, and he's like, I won't tell your mom if you don't. Oh, yeah. So he recently- I didn't know your uncle was Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I don't drink this bottle of schnapps in the next 15 minutes, 
uh, then what is Jason Statham an alcoholic? Then I'm going to get the DTs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a problem that has a time constraint when you get down to it. <laughs> crank four, getting turned. <laughs> um, so oh, it'd be crunk four, of course. Sorry. Yes, of course. Uh, so Matt Matt Hancock uh, recently appeared at a charity event. Um, wearing a tight tucked in t-shirt to some jeans, a blazer, and a um, pin that says, I heart art. Um, and it's not entirely clear what he was saying. I think he was talking about apps. We need more apps. Mm. We have my precious problems that can be solved if only we could use apps. So what, what, do we, what, what do we all make of that? So the pin says, I love art. I heart art. It's a, bla- it's mm. a black heart because he's goth. Damn. Whoa. Um... It's really something, isn't it? And also just like the photo that came out of him like in his in his stance. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. kind of like it it reminds me of when I was in school in Kent and um they did like a charity fashion show where like some of the teachers had to like fashion clothes from like Asda George. <laughs> and it was like clearly like the first time that they had been like allowed to be in this kind of situation. So they really kind of like indulged in it. Um, and really kind of like overtly, you know, did the struts and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it sort of just felt like it was very kind of suburban substitute teacher vibes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks like a really sort of like down market Will Self in a way. I'm just sort of looking at him now. Like <laughs> it, there's something really disappointed about yeah his <laughs> entire look. Well, the, the, thing about, yeah. I think the thing about Matt Hancock is that he is essentially, a, he is, I think, an... an a, he has the energy of a relentlessly optimistic Alan Partridge in that he's always mm. in that unlike unlike Partridge who is relentlessly cynical he is extremely he's almost psychotically yeah. happy he's the love child of Alan Partridge and a golden retriever <laughs> he is he seems psychotically happy but also that he doesn't really know what he's happy about it's just at some point someone someone told him that if he ever drops uh, if he ever sort of stops having a rictus grin, mm. um, just generally, then like, man, I don't know, like the country's going to sink or something else terrible will happen. You know how I got these scars? Believing in myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm also like very, like you talking about goth Matt Hancock has like really sent me down a rabbit hole of imagining like Matt, Matt Hancock as a version of Marilyn Manson who got two ribs removed in order to be better at parkour. <laughs> <laughs> But look, the real star of the Tory of the of the Tory leadership contest this week, because like the Sag has been quiet. Amber Rudd is no longer in a safe seat owned. Um, has been Liz Truss. Um, Liz Truss recently did a baffling interview with the Daily Mail that was surprisingly quite it's like they tried to softball the interview, but she's so dumb, she still came off sounding very strange. <laughs> but that's her speciality, lest we forget the Albi in Beijing opening up new pork markets <laughs> incident. It's, it's, she talks as though all of her lines have come to her through a game of telephone, and she can't quite believe what it is that she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so here is, she says the Tories need to be radical. They need to be radical in order to tackle the problems of a new generation. Uh, she says... We need to build a million homes in the London Greenbelt near wet railway stations and around other growing cities, specifically to allow under 40s to be able to own their homes. We shouldn't allow villages to, we should rather, allow villages to expand by four or five houses a year without having to go through the planning system so people can afford to live locally. It sounds not bad until you think about it for more than a minute. I mean, I feel like we just went through an episode in which we discussed how the last great Tory idea for expanding access to people being able to purchase homes in London has led to a ton of shitty housing stock that's all worth 500,000 pounds per unit. 
Yeah. Uh, that and now the interest-free loans are converting to interest loans, and people are like, "Oh shit, this is not. This is not. Uh, what's the right word? It's not stable. It's not going to last." And so one imagines that if if a home building plan in Greater London was left in the hands of the Tories, it's going to make the same guy insanely richer yeah. and give him another hundred and fifty million pound bonus that he just earned because he, he earns things by being good at his job. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and yet we will not be able. Like we'll still be renting in shitty Jordan fucking terrace homes. Uh, it's just that some people will have five hundred thousand dollar loans they're paying back. Yes, because yeah. just every every Tory plan is just the same shit every five years. But every time you say the free market, it gets faster. Like that's the same, like, <laughs> yeah, it, just gets, it just gets dumber and faster every time. So now, like Liz Truss is like, I don't know, what if we let the guy from the Grenfell Tower effigy incident, like you know, just build a load of houses out of like spit, cum, and wattle and daub on the green belt, and you know, sell them to first time buyers for eight hundred thousand pounds each, even though they only have half a bedroom, and the government will lend them the money. Uh, and somehow this is better than the government just building houses. I was going to make the joke that the, the Tory housing plan is basically B-movie, but then that sounds more like the Wicker Man, so yeah. we'll just go with that. Say, yeah. I want to make Spit come and Wattle and Daub the new b- Blood, Sweat and Tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, 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 that's just what she's going to do. She's going to be like, yes, we're going to, in every village, we're also going to just relax all the planning laws so that, you know, Jeff Fairburn can build, like, um, an, an entertaining slide for you to live on. It, that's what it, it's going to oh, be. Yeah. It's going to be the bulb in every ta- in every town. The tulip. Hello, I'm Liz Truss, and I passionately believe about reducing overcrowding in Britain's villages. What I suggest is that we learn from this one particular village of Midsummer, where every year at least a hundred of the residents are murdered. I propose <laughs> we bring this in by enabling a sort of Hunger Games, <laughs> um, <laughs> where residents of villages murder each other in order to reduce demand on the housing stock. Thank you. <laughs> a home county's purge would be very good. It's like if they're yeah, doing, if they oh, continue yeah. to do spin-offs, I would love to see one set in Essex or somewhere like that. So, so one of the, enough yeah. of you, mate. <laughs> what, one of like the key, one of the key things here is also that like the problem that she pinpoints is that like the issue that people have is the planning system. So the reason why people can't get homes isn't because they don't have enough money, mm. or like there isn't like a mechanism to like save, like save for money. Mm. It's that like oh, it's bureaucracy. Bureaucracy is the problem. So therefore, like what we need to do is just get rid of like more local councillors and mm. get rid of like safety regulations. I hate safety um, regulations. Yeah, I hate like so annoying. I, 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 I hate like having a having to have a fire door. Yeah. Um mm. you know, it sucks. Like if you know if I want my kid to like burn then I should be allowed to. Yeah. Have you ever read Ayn Rand before? <laughs> um, That's freedom, baby. Yeah. If the baby really wants to survive, they'll get out themselves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, they that was pull up their socks and <laughs> climb out of that burning but building this, themselves. But this, this is the thing with like all the Tory candidates, which is that like their ideas it's not like their you know, it's their ideas are like innovative by like the standard of being inside a party in which every answer is largely been it's not our problem, it's someone else's. So now when they're having to like put these proposals together, like, you know, it took them a while to sort of realize that like, oh, housing is this big problem. Because remember like Liz Truss, I think it was Liz Truss. Liz Truss like a you know, was one of these kind of allied to the Adam Smith Institute people who were like, actually renting is like super cool. 
and like it's so cool people you know millennials really love not owning stuff that's why they use spotify all the time um so if they you know so if they if they stream their music maybe they should be able to stream their houses as well um <laughs> but so now so my now wi-fi has gone out and my house is disintegrated <laughs> <laughs> riley literally told me on the way in here that if the wi-fi goes down you guys can't get into this house so that does feel yeah, like that literally happened to my last my, week my numbers tweet from the other day follow me <laughs> Um, so you, they've now reached this stage where it's like they recognize that people want houses, people do like living in places, apparently in this society that we live in, but they haven't quite reached that stage where it's like, well, maybe we should provide a system in which they can actually afford to buy somewhere or... <laughs> Hang on a second. It's Margaret Thatcher. There's no such thing as a society. David Cameron, the big society. Liz Truss, we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the first justice secretary who is actually, I think, Joaquin Phoenix's joker. Listen to me. I am an agent of radical change. <laughs> I am going to solve the housing crisis by giving all of the young people houses on two boats. But on each boat is a detonator fixed to a bomb on the other boat. And if they want to continue living there rent-free, all they have to do is not blow up the other boat. I cannot. I can't wait for the Joker to come out this year. Like, I, I actually literally cannot wait for it to come out. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite Steve Miller band song. Oh, no relation of Ed Miller back. <laughs> I was confused for a second. I was like, I was like wait. Okay, so that that's basically her plan. Um, is she's a te- she's seen no looked at the problem of housing, decided that housing is just like. It's like playing the game of life where you draw a card and you have a house now. It doesn't matter what's in the house or what the house is like. If you want a one meter square bedroom where you hang a sleeping bag on the wall, sleep like an astronaut, then yeah, that still counts as a house. We have to relax planning regulations so that we can get Japanese capsule hotels put in like various villages in the home counties so that people can get to their graphic design jobs. Thank Mm. you, Liz Trust. This is a brilliant idea. I can't wait for you to be Tory Tory leader. So before we move on from Liz, because there are just a couple of quick hits from this article that I really liked. Liz Truss cannot remember a time when she did not have sharply formed opinions about the world. When I ask her to tell me in three words what her vision is for Britain, she barely has time to draw breath. Aspirational, she says, eating a ham croquette. <laughs> but what's that Fucking mean? loves ham. What, what, honestly, what does that mean? I see uh, my vision for Britain is aspirational. As far as I can tell, that just means... Building that capsule hotel we were just talking about and then making us into an entire nation of app developers. I hate to say it, Riley, but it's Instagram Tories. <laughs> it's, it's, such a, it's, just like, it's just like, hashtag Fitspiration. Yeah. We're going to house the younger generation by putting them... We're not going to be like the Labour Party who take us back to bad 1970s socialism where it would be like the Soviet Union. No, we're going to do modern stuff by doing things like making everyone live in these huge shared buildings like a communalka, which is something they did in the Soviet Union. Wait, no, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, look, Liz Truss is patient zero of Instagram Tories. Yeah. It's like her Dominic Rab the Sag... I just feel like, you know, you take the example of Harlow where they're making people, Milo's hometown, where they're making people Ooh, live in a huge house. One huge repurposed office park that they've decided they make into- Where t- I took my driving theory test. Into, into housing. <laughs> and it's like, just throw people into these cubicles that aren't meant to be lived in. And it's like, basically, you can have the worst kind of Soviet style housing policy as long as business was involved at some point. It's like, that's an office park. Therefore, it's not it's not social housing. It's just business. Business yeah. is done there. Yeah. And like living in Harlow is tragic enough without hmm. having to live in an office block. Like having, having spent some sort of eight 
18 years of my life in Harlow. It is, it is a living hellhole, and within rights, it should be demolished. Well, it's the same thing as like when when they say that the, that what they want is all of this private industry or to take over things to innovate it better or whatever. Like, you can always just tell them that you know, well, our actually most of our railways are are nationally owned just by different countries. Like it's mm. a cons- it is like the the France Britain I think France um and Germany and I think Spain that that's the most yeah. amazing part yeah. of the like privatization hell of Britain me as a yeah. newcomer to this country is the idea that like we sold off the railway the railways are run by private enterprises that are the state funds of other countries yeah. and that's cool so like, good. we're really into that like please, it's just like oh god dad please charge me more charge me 70 pounds to go from here to Cambridge like I just need more of it in my life even though to be choked by the German government <laughs> German, like it, the, an equivalent Germany or an equivalent trip in Germany would probably cost you like 15 to 20 euros yeah and so when she when she's talking about how, when she's <laughs> a ham is falling out of her mouth as she's trying to talk about how aspirational Britain is, um, that's really what she means. It's like yes, we want to get the government out of people's way so that we can free you know private home developers to like make you live in a grave that you can then die in uh, to you know save transport time, and then we're going to sell off all of our public services to other countries because they have different incentives than us somehow as nations. Yeah brilliant who who this is a dumb question who do these people who are they trying to appeal to at the moment like who is going to vote them in or vote them out is it like the 1922 committee or is it like tory members in general uh, yeah well, da i think it's, <laughs> it's, what, what's very much not yeah i mean no one really knows what's going to happen because theresa may because basically the the erg tried to oust theresa may um a few months ago as we know it didn't work and now she's safe for a year unless the 1922 committee changes its rules imagine imagine failing to oust Theresa may like possibly like the worst (laughs) prime minister we've ever had and like who like has like the weakest grip on both power and reality and yet you are such a bunch of like gout ridden fucking idiots that you can't even as like like you spent so much time looking like a cross between a ventriloquist dummy and a sort of like um kind of a ham that's wearing two monocles that like you can't even get rid of Theresa May. The, pro- the problem is all of these guys have actually injured themselves in, uh, in hunting accidents where the rabbit they were looking for actually came and twisted their gun back pointing at them. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think she's like but she's like um, she's a true Tory in that she has just that instinctive desire to hold power in any sense and like you know it's like a baby in that they don't have much upper body strength but like mm. you can hang them onto a branch or whatever and they will cling on happily because yeah, yeah. they just uh, have, have that you, instinct have you not seen the documentary boss baby <laughs> <laughs> that baby is thick as fuck <laughs> so Theresa May is like a sloth <laughs> just like, she like every Tory I think just has that instinct and knows how to play whatever horrible inner games they have within the party that means that she yeah she, she can't is a Warhammer dislodged. original player <laughs> well, she's so very what, good at it what's happened is that basically all of the all of the media Tories have smelled blood in the water that as soon as the Conservative Party is essentially wiped out of the European Parliament um, later this month uh, that she's going to have to give a date for her resignation, which means that the campaigning will begin. And they're just trying to steal a march on one another. Mm. Um, I believe Rory Stewart, when he was made a frontbencher, in his speech accepting a frontbench position, said that he was going to make a great conservative leader. <laughs> <laughs> also, also let's, so let's pause for a moment and talk about Rory Stewart if we have time, because what oh, an insane... Time, Rory Stewart, former British Army officer, was a, like a sort of sub-governor of a province of Iraq during the war, then decided, I'm just going to walk across Afghanistan and now he's like, I need to go to another place that's similarly full of hills, uh, the North Country. So he now is an MP from what? I wouldn't think what is it, Cumbria, um, the border, yeah, or somewhere in the Scottish border, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, mm. and uh, and and he's just 
he's like a man out of time in the sense that like he has all of the attitudes of someone who would be an MP from uh I don't know 1922. <laughs> <laughs> oh we, yeah. We've got a picture of him can up. This is such a good Can, we, can we do a pen and pixel of Rory Stewart please? He looks, he looks God, like a that cursed is a special Steve portrait. Coogan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean to be fair, MP's official portraits are weird. It's like mm. they are all hustling through the same shitty photo studio in Westminster and they just get them in like the most awkward, yeah. like non expressions. We don't have a budget yeah. for this, all right. But he does look like Willem Dafoe, except cursed by an ancient witch. I mean he, he yeah. follows like this trend of like English eaten educated men who look really scruffy and like get away with it. In the same way that like you know, I don't really pay a lot of attention to Roger Scruton, but like when the whole debacle happened, um, the thing that I did notice is that this man does not know how to like do it, like put his collar in his jacket. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of mm. just like it just pops out and like his hair is like super messy. And he it's does like, look like something out of the mummy. Like yeah. Roger Scruton, like, like he should be like um, arising from it's like, a sarcophagus. It's like, this, it's like this particular scruffy look of like the English gentri- like gentry mm. class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which Rory Stewart is very much part of, right? Yeah, like well, it's, part of, it's part of the, the, it's the tradition started by Bertie Wooster of not knowing how to dress yourself unless you have yeah. a valet. Um, yeah, because British army officers is all people who either like went to like Winchester or Eton and Oxbridge or like people who went to like Exeter and got a 2-2 and were like, well, I guess it's this now. <laughs> uh, but also like didn't Rory Stewart also, he very deliberately like fra- um, framed himself next to T. Lawrence. Yes. Like he's... his life, his, his life is almost like he's kind of set himself as parallel to mm. Lawrence of Arabia. Um, with his idea that he wanted to kind of create this like sense of mystery around himself. Oh, I know what he's done. He's the same. He's the um. He's the just just like a lot of dumb public school boys like watch American Psycho and are like, that's a good film about a yeah, cool yeah. guy. He's watched Lawrence of Arabia. He's <laughs> like, that's a good <laughs> film about a cool guy. So I'm gonna be like that. That's what TF take. Lawrence of Arabia is basically like what Americans is like another version of American Psycho. Well, exist, there's there's they definitely exist a in the person, same universe in the same time. There's a ki- there's a kind of person who looks at Lawrence of Arabia and is like, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, and he's Roy Stewart. And, and they Can't and they maybe don't read the actual. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia memoirs or books in which he describes like his weird sex fixations and how he enjoys punishment, so on and so forth. Yeah, just like not. a true Tory. Anyway, in so- many ways, it's like really fascinating actually watching this current Tory government because they're not really like they're not really doing anything. But that's sort of the problem because like everything is like so- crashing and burning so hard. It's like being on a plane and like the air hostess has just come out and gone like, "So the plane is in a nosedive now. Don't panic. There are a number of things we can do." And then the and then you just hear from the the like the cockpit just one of the pilots going. To other i don't know jeff maybe we can talk about that after you tell me why you fucked my wife (laughs) and you're like are those guys okay and they're like yeah it's fine (laughs) (laughs) don't worry we can't change the pilot for another year (laughs) they're having a small disagreement but i'm sure it'll be fine by the time we get near the ground (laughs) british airways 1984 committee so just extend the distance between us and the ground (laughs) (laughs) so uh she finally she says this is back to trust. Uh, so aspirational was the first word. The second words were free. That means doing what you want, having control over your life, not being told what to do. And it's got to be just. People have got to feel that barriers aren't being put in their way because they are a woman or because they're from a low-income background. It's got so, to be just. Good enough to prevent a full bloody revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Doing what you want, having control over your life, and not being told what to do unless it's by a slumlord that's redeveloped the office cubicle into a into a, um, into a bedroom. Yeah, you have to do what your landlord tells you to yeah. do. 
Hell yeah, I, I, I live in what used to be a Woolworths. <laughs> you also have to do what the German, French, and Spanish governments tell you to do, but with regards to train travel. So you have to do what those governments tell no, you, you to don't do. Want, we don't listen to the Europeans unless it's their sovereign wealth funds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not a, it's, it's not really so much an order as an entente cordiale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, um, that's, that, that, again, that, that seems to be what, what she's just restated. This is what her vision is. Which her vision of Britain is one where all kinds, of every, every single protection you have from the ravages of the free market are stripped back so that you can be more free to be more ravaged by the free market and the word free occurs a lot in those sentences so i'm pretty sure that means it's better that is also a very like sort of american business kind of thing that Mm -hmm. like that that exposure to the whims of the market and lack of protection is framed as freedom it's like i'm so free in the way that you're Mm -hmm. extremely free when you're on a mountaintop getting struck by lightning yeah Yeah. you're you're very you're liberated from an airplane when Mm -hmm. you are pushed out of the airplane you're exactly. no longer confined by the seats and the rules and the no smoking sign. You can smoke while you're plummeting yeah. to your death. Most mm-hmm. people go down, but you could go up. You could yeah. choose to go up if you, you really work hard. To yeah. uh, higher heights. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, like, I feel like every political like era of a few years has like its own like kind of theme that all the peti- all the politicians are going for. So like the previous, we've just come out of the previous like the Trump Brexit era where like it was all just like bombastic like nonsense, just being like we are gonna take back control, like we're gonna make America great again, and now it's like Miss World. It's like the Miss World era where everyone's just saying like, I just want everyone to be friends. And I think that if we all believe in ourselves, like it's going to be great. Like fucking Scott Morrison, the Australian incumbent prime minister who's running, who literally the other day said said something like, I believe that Australia is a promise to every Australian and that every Australian has the right to be Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if you've heard this today, but there there was a news clip about Tom Cotton, who's a senator from, uh, from Arkansas, Republican army veteran. And, um, guy who went to Harvard and then decided to join the army and then immediately turned around to be a politician. So he's dark Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, he's, 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 like- yes. Um, and he got on TV today and made this whole story about uh, that tariffs in America are bad. The, you know, the, the, they're charging tariffs on Chinese goods. And yeah, it's going to harm some people. But the, the the suffering that those people face is nothing compared to what our troops face downrange when they give their lives for America. Look, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> that has to do with soybean farmers, but that's the level of discourse <laughs> that we're at. You know where they don't have birthday cake? <laughs> <laughs> Afghanistan. Fucking Iraq, all right? When I was slinging lead downrange, no one was putting fancy candles in my birthday cake like I do every day for some reason. <laughs> I had to take my own candles. My commanding officer said, what are you doing with those candles, Tom? I said, eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a new. The thing is, we have we are witnessing the birth pangs of of the kind of the birthday pangs. If you will. <laughs> we are witnessing the birthday pangs of a new kind. Well, an, a new image for conservatism. We're intending the birthday party and eating the birthday cake of a new conservatism. Yeah. Mm. Well, and and this new con- the new conservatism is the one that is just all about just being relentlessly optimistic because I think they're so, they're seeing that like the electoral trick that the um. Uh, like Nigel Farage and Donald Trump and all these guys that they pulled in 2016 of going back to blood and soil nationalism. I think they they think it can only work once and it's already and it's sort of been done. Blood, sweat, spit, cum and wattle and daub nationalism. (laughs) And so now they're trying to position themselves as the parties of the future. But because they're all in, they all like are incredibly stupid. The best thing they can do is like a Miss World speech. And they're Mm. all doing the same thing now. And it's very, very cool to see. I love to listen to it. I can't wait for the swimsuit round. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to see Matt Hancock in that Speedo. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the no, real... I want to see him in a bikini or a one piece. 
Look. Like a Victorian like knee length bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> Getting changed in like a in like a wooden carriage <laughs> on the Matt, beach. Matt Hancock doing late nineteenth century umbrella based martial arts in a Victorian bathing costume. Yes, please. <laughs> Lifting weights that say like one hundred on them. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's the that's the the updated Tory beauty pageant that is literally playing out like the uh, essay section of a beauty pageant. Um, They're on the right track, baby. They were born this way. But let's uh, let's let's shift our focus a little bit to something a little more in our wheelhouse. That's right. We're talking robot butlers, folks. Hell yeah, now, James! You recently uh, put out an article um, about this Japanese startup that is trying to solve the problem of making a home robot that doesn't suck or kill you. Yeah, so I mean, mm. robots are just uh, home robots. Have obviously, been like a thing that people have wanted for decades and decades. And, and you know, as we were talking about earlier, the main problem is that robots essentially suck. I mean, they are fantastic at like you know welding cars or doing very precise machinery, but like when it comes to navigating a home environment or like just picking something up off the table, they can't do it. So this Japanese startup, and they haven't yet released it as a product. It should be coming out in 2020. Their solution is to have home robots that are remote controlled by like people in call centers basically um yeah and to, to amazing so they're like de-automizing it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, like you, you're stealing a robot's job wait no it's <laughs> it's like home cleaning drones no i mean they're literal they so they have like a, a little wheelbase and they have like a, a little torso and two arms on it with pin pincers yeah and the torso kind of telescopes up and down like that and they are controlled by someone with like a htc vibe style vr motion controller and they navigate the arms and make it pick up stuff so and this was so this, this was, is just having a manservant like you can just this was yeah. the plot of the power rangers alien force right <laughs> so like let me drop some knowledge on you right now so there was like an offshoot Folks, it's ramadan there was an offshoot there was an offshoot there's gonna be more of this for the next month <laughs> there, was, there was an offshoot of the mighty morphin power rangers called the mighty morphin alien rangers and this was a time when the mighty morphin power rangers like lost their powers and everything so the aliens had to like come and you know sort shit out um and part of their thing was that like with you know the big zords that like they had um the so the the normal power rangers would jump in the zords and control them manually but the aliens would just be able to do it via like their brains and shit so they were like doing all this like martial arts stuff just on their own on the ground and like the machines were like just yeah. So they were completely disassociated yeah. from it. And this sort of like this is like the closest that I can find in terms of familiarity. Like there is some guy in a call center doing like brain martial arts to control this robot, but yeah. rather than like <laughs> but rather than kicking butt, it's kind of like, can you like jerk off my wife's boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> because, I, because I don't want to do it today. <laughs> Finally this podcast is the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> You're like explaining the plot of Power Rangers really yeah. like really enthusiastically. Except, except instead of being to like a DMT'd out jujitsu instructor, it's all yeah. of us here. Now, now I just need to be like um I don't know like yeah Jaya Bolsonaro guy. Like, yes. <laughs> so from your from your article you say manual labor is difficult to hide because workers need to be physically present a rich person living in london for example can't hire someone who lives in manila where wages and cost of living are cheaper to do their housework but with telepresence that distance would disappear and rich citizens would be able to take advantage of cheap labor anywhere in the world so what do you mean when you say it's difficult to hide so i'm um, 
I think what is yeah fascinating about this is it's the digitization of something that is physical. That if you have you know um, cleaners in London, for example, um, earning a terribly low wage and not having a lot of control over it, they are at least present. They are here. They you know um, they are visible in a way. Although obviously companies do what they can to make them invisible, so they can sort of organize and they can agitate for their rights, etc. But if you manage to abstract labor away from the body that performs it and turn it into a digital good, it becomes fungible. It becomes something that can be um, teleported across distances that can be exchanged. And it's about, it's just atomization, basically. Um, And so, although this company isn't like, you know, they're not ready to roll out these robots. And I think this Mm. probably particular instance will fail. Um, This is a trend that is happening across big tech. I mean, you Mm. look at it in stuff like, you know, those last mile delivery robots that everyone's building at the moment. Yeah. Like, so that that look like little like coolers. Yeah, they're little little coolers on wheels. They go up up down the passenger, the pavements. That's something like these companies are saying, oh, yeah, it's completely automated. But in all the trials, they always have someone, a human on the other end, who is usually looking out for them. And if something goes wrong, they'll step in. So that's like an example of like, I mean, Astra Taylor calls it photomation, where you have a facade of AI and then you have a human performing the labor behind it. It's Neo Yokio. <laughs> it's the robot it, in Neo Yokio. My, my actually, yes. was like, do you know Neo Yokio? Can yeah. you reference it? And in this article, I was like, yeah. I'm afraid I don't, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the robot in Neo Yokio. Oh my God. This is like my yeah. favorite episode. I got to talk about Power Rangers <laughs> and now I get to talk about Neo Yokio. Yeah. People um, assume that Matt Hancock is an AI batch. He's being controlled by <laughs> He's being controlled by a Labrador that's doing its best. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's <laughs> maybe, maybe, so it's like that movie <laughs> Dave. <laughs> maybe maybe all of us controlled may, by little men. Maybe all the Tory candidates that are running for like the leadership right now is are actually just machines being controlled by one person and that one person just happens to be um, Michael Gove. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen him in a while actually. Like, yeah. he, he's in a room somewhere just sweating. And, oh, he's, like, he's totally doing a VR. Yeah. Have you ever seen Michael Gove and Matt Hancock in the same room? Maybe you have, but if you have, it's probably a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's this is like a lot of this, what, what, what this is to me is that it represents the same a lot of the same trends that like um like Uber did for example yeah where yeah. a lot the the reaction especially from Instagram Tories especially mm. from Liz Truss in fact when she was saying that our gener our gen- our generation or the younger generation or whatever wants freedom they want to be Deliveroo eating Uber riding Airbnb being mm-hmm. fucking freedom, you know, freedom fighters freedom fighters and all but. What she and so what she's saying is, oh, this is great. I can order a cab with my phone, which is a relatively simple technology. Yeah. Just like this, it's the same technology that's controlling a drone or like a you know Tonka truck or whatever. Yeah. Um, and all it's and, and it, what it's doing is it's 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 taking these people away from employment. It's taking them away from their actual control of their work. It's maybe they don't ever clean the same home twice, so you can never you know get that kind of predictability. You yeah. can never work with in and against your own job. Yeah. Yeah. What you're really doing is you are you are basically being reduced to your ability to move your thumbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it's it's just um, it's such a bizarre thing to be pushing forward. I feel, and yeah, as you say, it, like it brings together all these trends, and it's like, uh, what's that thing um, uh, that uh, might have to cut this bit out because I've completely forgotten what it is. The thing the French uh, cam- um, taxi drivers do. Um, uh, where they follow the rules minutely in order oh, work to, to do rule. a strike. Work to rule. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah. It, you know, it's the idea that if you are in that situation, for example, you, the way you know your job 
and the intimacy with which you can perform it and the million ways in which you bend the rules in order to make it fucking work um, like that represents your closeness to the labor and how that is in your favor and technology like this it is about separating people from their labor to make it into this yeah this exchangeable unit I don't know but yeah would you have one of these in your home <laughs> I mean I if it looked cool like a Gundam. Yeah. It, looks quite, it looks quite cool, <laughs> it actually. Looks, yes, if it looked like a Gundam, then I would consider it. Yeah, you can get, like, skins for it. <laughs> I'm sure, like, fucking awesome. If it just had a be... tiny person inside it. Like. Yeah, if, I could, <laughs> if I could make it floss dance, then maybe. So what you're basically saying is this is, like, the darkest form of gaming. <laughs> I mean, because in the grand scheme of things, we were like, oh, God, I wish I could earn a living by playing video games. And it's like, well, you can control a robot and play a game where you clean a house yeah. in another right. country. Yeah, why is not? Gerard Butler in the film Gamer? <laughs> so where he oh, gets shit. controlled oh by a oh gamer my God, and yes. he's like the gladiator in there. Yeah, or it's like that fuck other fucking film I watched on the plane. Um, uh, fuck that like really bad gamer movie. Oh, um, Ready Player One. Yes. Oh, that's. So I also saw that on a plane. Yeah, it's same, so bad. Same. Why? Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's great. A plane I think it's movie. a great. I think it's a great plane movie, but it just sucks in like other situations. Yeah. Also, um, like it was really, it was really unrealistic that like they they met each other like and they had this like romance in like the virtual world through avatars and then they weren't really ugly when they met each other in real life. Oh no, wait, no, second. you're forgetting. She had a birthmark on her face, and oh, therefore yeah. there was Damn. true redemption when she revealed her her personality or whatever. Sorry, I actually I I found the <laughs> she one of the like a forty five year old man. So <laughs> 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 I found one of the quotes from from Astra Taylor uh, that I that I like that I'm just going to pull out here, uh, and she's discussing about. Um, about ordering food at a restaurant. Yeah. It says, one recent afternoon, I stood waiting at a restaurant for a to-go meal that I'd ordered the old-fashioned way by talking to a woman behind a counter and giving her money. Right. As I waited for my lunch <laughs> to be prepared, the man in front of me appeared astonished to receive his food. How did the app know my order would be ready 20 minutes early, he marveled, clutching his phone, because that was actually me, the server said. I just sent you a message and it was done. Here was a, a small parable of labor and its erasure in the digital age. The app and its eagerness to appear streamlined and just in time had simply excised the relevant human party in this exchange change. Hence, the satisfied customer could fantasize that his food had materialized thanks to the digital interface, as though some all-seeing robot was supervising the human workers as they put together his organic rice bowl. And it's our general lack of curiosity about how platforms and services we use every day really means the work we often we really means that we often believe the hype that automation is doing this rather than just masking, concealing, or further exploiting labor. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's so I write about AI and it's something that comes up on the beat all the time now. There's it's a story every other week basically revealing how something that was thought to be a completely automated process actually has humans right at the heart of it. So you got like, there's a story in Bloomberg the other day about, you know, um, all the people who listen into your Alexa calls and there was one before that uh, I think Bloomberg again actually about you know the ring I noticed you got one on here actually the ring um, uh, alarm bells with the video camera built in and how like you know they're supposed to be automated tagging but actually there's a lot of people or doing Facebook that. content moderation Facebook as well uh, exactly yeah. exactly exactly yeah, um, and by the way your readers your listeners sorry should definitely read this essay by Astra Taylor which is mm. the automation charade we'll, we'll post it on the so, um, yeah, on the episode link in the show yeah, notes, yeah. Yeah. it's just uh, she's fantastic and this is a great essay yeah and <clears throat> And People so say that those Chinese dick-sucking robots are automated, but really I'm being paid 50 <laughs> <laughs> That's the gig economy, baby. A guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. Right, and, and I think one of the main functions that the automation illusion has, and this is also, this is something I've been thinking, and this uh, point Astra Taylor also makes, mm. is that it makes the work seem less valuable. Mm. So we once... 
So we're willing to pay sort of, you know, five pounds to be taken from point A to point B by a driver, or we're willing to pay some paltry amount uh, to like a, you know, a agency in the Philippines that has someone remote control or laundry folding or whatever, yeah. because it mm. feels like, oh, it's just automated and there might be a human looking in on it. Yeah. We're really paying for the service of using this automatic thing. Yeah. But all we're really doing is finding ways to press down wages more of people who can least afford to have their wages pressed down because yeah. they're about to be swallowed by a boiling sea. Yeah, and it's like extreme capitalism in that like, so capitalism, you know, is already um, manipulating how you view your worth by tying it to a specific job or a function you perform. And then this is doing a step further than that by saying you don't even actually have a specific job or a profession or a craft. You just have this abstract sense of work that we can extract from you in these various ways, whether that is like, I, I remember I spoke to this company, um, a Chinese AI, AI company, um, who do one of these... Um, uh, that they have people performing these automated tasks for them, in which case, in their case, is labeling um, swab, swaths of uh, lifting like fabrics to automate sewing machines, basically. Mm -hmm. But they told me that they recruit a lot of people in old persons' homes to do the automated labeling for them, and that they they cut they ha they have a little app on their phone, and when they have a spare five minutes, they'll just sort of tag what's in it. Um, and just this idea that like, where can we look to find like a spare bit of human brain power? I know these people who you know don't have much had much to do and who we can offer very little money to but they still function just enough that we can extract that little bit of cognitive intelligence and put it into an app and send it elsewhere i just i mean like that's what really depresses me about ai is what it is going to do to people and society i mean I, that kind of reminds me of amazon mechanical turk isn't that kind of the same thing odds absolutely because i remember yeah. thinking seeing that and being like oh this seems interesting and i i was in a period where i was waiting to start school and i had a little time and, and i remember just being assigned trying it out and it was just assigned like here are a bunch of expense receipts from like some some tech company's business party or whatever where they have thousands of dollars they spent on wine we need you to go through these photos of yeah. receipts and make them into uh you know like basically itemized lists that could then be like put into a spreadsheet um we're going to pay you 10 cents for yeah. the whole thing yeah, yeah and i was like yeah, I, the, the 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 functional equivalent of quitting on your first day. I was like, yeah, fuck this shit. <laughs> but I mean, that, that when you think about that, that to some to some people who are in like kind of a captive environment, that's yeah. all there is. Yeah, and like Amazon is the king of doing that in that, like you. So, you know, in their warehouses, they have a lot of automation and they have little robots that move around the shelves. And because of that, they usually, in some of them anyway. Um, the humans actually can't wander about. They just have to stick in one place and then the robots bring stuff to them and they just pick it and put it into another thing. So you're, just, it get, you're literally putting the human in a cage mm -hmm. so it can do the, the hard robot task of picking stuff and putting it in another place. Well, also, the thing I always think of is that a lot of this work, what it does is, in addition to funding, you know, stock buybacks <laughs> and like a, mm. and a new sword for you know, Jeff Bezos' <laughs> Gundam or whatever, <laughs> the other thing that it does is it funds slow advances in the ability to automate. So as people's labor is getting more and more abstract, and as they are being pushed into more and more humiliating conditions, they're funding that process continuing. So yes, yes, yeah, we've made so much profit because we've been able to cut everyone's salaries and deliver even more packages or fold even more shirts or whatever, yeah. that we've been able to actually fire another 25% of you and have the remaining 75% just like, you know, flick a little lever for eight hours yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and I was reading a, a paper the other day by, um, I'm not going to remember the names, but a pair of uh, economists who do a lot of work, a lot of studies on sort of automation, and they were worried about what they called the threat of so-so automation, mm -hmm. which is the idea that 
it is so enmeshed, enmeshed, embedded in society that you know to automate something is a form of progress and it's making it better and more efficient. But actually, there is a sort of baseline level where you just automate mm. it and you just replace the person and you don't do anything else. And that you know that is so bad. It's doing this sort of thing, and then it's just re- it's just taking the human out of society, replacing it with a robot, and then you have someone who doesn't have a job anymore and like. They can't do anything. And this is basically the main policy platform of the Instagram Tory, which is that all look at all of this automation that's happened that's made like access to consumer goods basically slightly easier. And you know, they're, you know who their constituency is? That guy from the Astra Taylor article who was like, wow, how did the app know my food was ready? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that guy is Matt Hancock. That, like, <laughs> name redacted, but that was Matt Hancock. He's awesome. like, wow, ordering delivery is a great way to learn about your body. <laughs> yeah, it's that it's basically when you don't think about it, it's just like magic. And so it's like, mm. well, cool. I guess I guess dinners are made of magic now and that we don't need set, we don't we don't need to think about the fact that we're workers and we're our jobs are probably going to get automated and that our people our friends and, and, and family, whatever, they might be at risk of getting these kinds of jobs. So really what we have to do is to get our organic rice bowls a little bit faster. We have to make sure that we unleash businesses' ability mm-hmm. to innovate by mm-hmm. making sure that no pesky unions get in their way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes you... It's this whole thing. It's part of this other huge trend. Uh, as, the, as we have all seen ourselves in society as consumers and identifying with one another through how much we all love the same retail products in yeah. Avengers movies, we forget that in order to afford all those goo we actually have to work yeah. and that mostly we have better and fuller lives if our rights are more protected than if we have access to like, you know, a, a, a coffee machine that sucks your dick. Never mind. I, I take it back immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd, be that. that'd be great. And it's just me so desperately trying to make a cappuccino while sucking your dick. <laughs> but you know, what I, you know what I mean, right? This is challenging. You know, you know what I mean? Stop pressing the touch my balls button. I'm trying to front <laughs> the milk. <laughs> but you know, you, but you, you ultimately, you, you get what I mean, right? Where it's like, it's, We've come to identify with one another's desires for an extra consumer product more than we've come to identify with one another as workers. Sure, sure. We've bought into the, the worst excesses of the system, and the only way we can imagine solving them is by you know deepening those problems, deepening that forward onrush of development and progress and, that, and business. That also taps into this whole like Tory Instagram thing, which is that the problem isn't like the weird dystopia that we're creating. The problem isn't. Um, you know, the, the actual problem that we need to solve is that these things need to be faster. Mm. So like yeah. the way that we make a better society is if, if your Darren Amazon faster. package, yeah. so if Amazon, your, your Amazon Prime comes like within five hours rather than 10 hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, or that like, yeah, you're like, you know, your fucking like milkshake from McDonald's comes in like 10 seconds rather than, you know, a minute. Like, well, and it's yeah. this unwillingness that they have to like actually look at it rationally because like, they get to this point where like their ideal society is one in which like no one has a job because they've automated everything in some kind of like shitty way, but also that there's no redistribution of wealth whatsoever. So actually, there's no one to buy any of the shitty products that they make and make them rich because everyone's just dead. But then <laughs> when you say that to them, they're like, "Oh, stop being such a fucking downer lefty, mate!" Or just because you're so not successful in business, con- and it's like the country down. It's like no, if every 
everyone dies because they've starved to death or because you've accelerated climate change so much that everyone has boiled to death, apart from like you and Jeff Bezos because you live in a compound in New Zealand with your Gundams. <laughs> like, there won't, like you won't, there won't be any people left to buy your fucking shit or your like fucking Frappuccinos or whatever the fuck it is you're trying to sell. Dick, like, the dick like, sucking Frappuccino. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, like, regardless of like the rights and wrongs of it, like literally capitalism will not survive the end of the world. But whenever Isn't- you say that, people are like, ah, oh, stop being such a big loser. Isn't that, also, <laughs> isn't that also like their conception of freedom is the idea that like you don't have a job, you have every job. Uh, so like you can be anything you want because yeah. you have to be You're to not survive. a worker because you don't have a job. You have a career. Yeah. When Gotham is ashes, then you have my permission to retire. <laughs> I also think that there's this idea that everyone's going to be the person with Alexa. Everyone's going to be the person who's got the Prime subscription and ordering things and no one's going to be the worker. And I think that like mm. the, 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 you've, we've talked about some of the benefits, the ideas of in some ways amazon is kind of like a, com- a command economy and that that could be that could be harnessed for 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 social good but it's not going Republic to be of walmart baby because it's it's going to be it's because jeff bezos is the emperor from warhammer 40k but the thing that I, I i keep thinking about is you know if you look at things like this in the u.s where they could install air conditioning in the amazon fulfillment centers but instead they're like no fuck fuck workers we're just going to put an ambulance outside in case they pass out when it's 90 plus it's 35 plus degrees celsius inside inside the warehouse which happens i mean my home state this happened Mm. and thinking about things like that where this this divorce of the service from the worker becomes so, so much more extreme to the point where people are looking at this and all they're seeing is progress and they're not seeing Uber destroying people's livelihoods. Mm. They're not seeing Amazon, the conditions that people are being put through to the point where like people are like having to wear diapers or getting urinary tract infections when they're on, you know, on the, on the shop floor. And it's like, they can't seem to see the worker can identify themselves in any way where like the condition of the worker, they can only see the convenient benefit and not, and it's not even like a class interesting. It becomes the point where it's like, they just don't even know it exists. And that's the thing that freaks me out about it is that that's going to continue until the system breaks down. There's not going to be, it's, it's like, we joke about this with British people sometimes, but I mean, I think it's Americans have this too, that it's like, oh, well, the, the fire's only burning in the other room in my house, not in this room. I'm just going to yeah. put the kettle on. Yeah. It's just, but that's like the capitalist mindset across yeah. the world, it seems. And if you have a robot in your house instead of a human, uh, then you literally won't see whatever pain that the labor causes them or whatever yeah. discomfort. You will only see like a robot that doesn't temporarily work. And you're like, oh, oh no robot stop working, stupid robot. Get yeah, a new so- robot. Damn, my, my robot driver quit because Bangladesh disappeared off the map. Fuck. Well, it's, like <laughs> it's, like when, it's like with Uber, right? Like the idea mm. that if you have a, if you like book an Uber driver who suddenly can't make it or, you know, something happens, like you can just switch like automatically. And like for the user end, like that's supposed to be like this seamless notion of freedom. I remember like speaking to someone, someone, a, a guy who runs like a PR company who, like pitched his business to me in this way, which was like, you know, my, you know, the conception of freedom in 2019 is the idea that like you can look on your phone and you know exactly where your car is, you know, mm. exactly where everything is, you know how fast they're going because it's all happening in real time. But you know also exactly like you have, boyfriend you, have, you have, yeah, I know when my wife's boyfriend is coming, so I know when to move out of, when, <laughs> when, I, when I need to get out of my house. Find uh, my wife's boyfriend, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and this is kind of like really prime for that, right? Like if this is like a robot that's really just designed to like clean your house, mm. but it's one that doesn't even need like, it's not even like a person to person relationship where, you know, cause as you said before, like cleaners are already in like a really shit situation to begin with. And so much of it is very much like, you know, cash under the table, but at least like 
at the very least, like you have that sort of human relationship where in mm. theory, the cleaner can kind of barter, the the, the cleaner can like negotiate and- well, They could in, just stop going to work. Right. And in mm. theory, like, they can stop if like, you know, the condition, you know, in reality, it doesn't work out like that, but in theory, that can. But if you have yeah. like a fucking cleaning Gundam, like, <laughs> which, which, which really, should really which, rebrand this company for them, using by the its way. laser sword, <laughs> which only like really needs like someone to kind of control it with the most basic functions as well. Cause like mm. all the, all the human is there for is to make sure that the robot completes its tasks. Yeah. Doesn't even do the task for it. It's not even like Power Rangers Alien Force mm. where they actually had to like do the punch and do uh, the they, kick. No, they will do that. They will do that. They use VR motion controllers, so they will map right. their movement sort of Pacific Rim style from the human. Oh, sorry. <laughs> or, 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 so or that's Power Rangers style. Pacific, Pacific toilet rim. rim. Style. <laughs> 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 Look, the entire uh, world with, with Pacific Rim. No, I need to like make a very important point here. With Pacific <laughs> Rim, right? No, what you couldn't just jump into the fucking robot and do it. Like you can't jump into you the fucking to, drift. You, you need to. You <laughs> need to, you need to really to like, sing. You had to like pair yeah. with someone. Yeah, yeah. It was like Tinder but with robots, yeah. right? Yeah. You had to pair yeah. with someone. I also love how they were like these robots have to be controlled by two people because it's like too much strain on one person. But it's like, but they only have four limbs, so it's like, but how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. you have to be perfectly in right. sync. No, it's rule of cool. Yeah. In Evangelion, like. This, you know, it was connected to the soul. So like, you couldn't just be like someone who just jumped into the robot and like- You had yeah. to be a moody teenager from Japan and then yeah. you could yeah. jump in the so robot. Yeah. In a lot of ways, this is like really even more like dystopic than like mm. Neon Genesis Evangelion because <laughs> anyone can jump into these fucking robots. The new, the new version of Evangelion is gonna be Shinji is being trained to clean Jeff Bezos' house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah. ultimate job for a honestly, pilot. On honestly, that. then I, I would understand his his in, his inane whininess at that point. I, like, <laughs> I don't want to pilot oh, it. Yeah. Piloting it sucks. On the so on the subject of like people not realizing like the people behind their like app based like services or whatever. I actually have a fucked up story about this, which is that a while ago, um, my ex girlfriend and I ordered some delivery, and it was really late. And then we got a phone call from like the delivery call center, and they said, "Oh, sorry." Um, your food. We haven't been able to deliver your food because the guy, like the rider, was uh, hit by a car, and we went like, "Oh, it, like is he okay?" And she went like, "I don't have that information." And we were like, "Well, can you find out?" And she's like, "No, I have no way of finding that out." And we're like why <laughs> like why would you have no way of finding that out and she's mm -hmm. like it's fine like the restaurant's prepared you a new order and like it's going to be delivered to you in like 30 minutes and we're like yeah but like is the guy dead <laughs> like what yeah. like, like uh. i mean i mean we don't really know who it is but we still feel like you should say like yeah. what happened <laughs> and then she's just like yeah i don't know he's he's disappeared into the system maybe he's alive maybe he's dead we don't know he has only a number <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't respawned yet yeah <laughs> so, somewhere there's like a guy on a motorcycle still carrying like a bunch of chinese food mm. um, <laughs> forever through like his back business through Uzbekistan. So, um, I'd like to like to move on to one more thing before we close out today, uh, which is Nick Clegg has written us a year five style essay about how much he loves Facebook. Yes. <laughs> like, come on, Nick. You can just connect with your friends, see pictures, <laughs> like influence it's a great way to learn about your body. <laughs> yeah. So, as we all Catch up on your memories, as we know, mm -hmm. um, Nick Clegg has been hired for his. Um, his wit, his charm, his his intellectual ability, and his just definitely not just his Rolodex. Um, Nick Clegg just like sits in the Facebook office in California inside his Gundam. Yeah. No, he is definitely, like Nick Clegg is sitting there in the Facebook office, like playing with one of those um, ball clack desk toys <laughs> until Mark Zuckerberg needs him to call someone in Europe, basically. Mm. Like, Nick Clegg, he's like, Nick Clegg, we need you to call someone in Europe. And he's like, oh, I'll call Vince Cable. Well, it's always Vince Cable. Can you, is there no one else you can call? Not really. <laughs> so 
uh, or occasionally pen a very childish New York Times opinion piece. This one is incredible. It is a response to the idea that Facebook ought to be broken up. When does a company become too big or too successful to exist? Clegg opens the article with. Amazing. So, arguably, it, Skynet. <laughs> so the, Clegg the, and O'Neill here. The energy is, yeah, yeah it's essentially, yeah. We what are, about the rights of the companies? <laughs> well, no, your rights. joke, but kind of. That's uh, more or less where this is going. Brilliant. And the energy of this is um, you're all just jealous of Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all, all might uh, is right. <laughs> if you're big enough, then no one should be able to stop you. Chris Hughes, a co-founder of Facebook, argues that Facebook should be dismantled because, quote-unquote, big poses a risk to society itself. In my view... <laughs> I loved the film Big. <laughs> <laughs> what matters is not size, but rather the rights and interests of consumers and our accountability to the governments and legislatures... That's what I'm always saying to my girlfriend. <laughs> ...who oversee <laughs> commerce and communications. What's the thing? Size impacts those things directly <laughs> because mm. it's how much power you have over consumers and, and also how much that power purse. you've got over like the governments and legislators who oversee commerce and communications. Mm. So unless you're, if you're really big, then they're relying on you to be nice. Facebook is just like America's huge adult son. Yeah, like look yeah. at the size of that boy. That is a prime it's boy. Bl- it's just blundering <laughs> around the entire world. Like just- we're all just like jealous of Facebook because of like how great the Facebook wall is and how you can like put loads of cool graphics while asking the questions like, "Hey, can anyone like lend me their lawnmower today?" Or yeah. like when you're like having beef with your wife's boyfriend in like the suburban. In your in your suburban villages Facebook page, which is something mm. you can't really do anywhere else. You I mean, know what's you know what's really interesting is that you just referred to it as a Facebook wall, and it hasn't been called a Facebook wall for like five or six years. But we're we're now of a generation where like this we're going to be like our parents saying like O levels, like mm. we're going to be like saying Facebook wall, and now kids are going to be like, yeah, what's a Facebook is- wall? It's called like a it's called like a racism line. Like, <laughs> like, it's called they call it timeline now, don't they? Mm. I think since like twenty twelve. Yeah, but also, like, no one except our generation uses Facebook. No, we don't use Facebook. I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, it's all old people who'd like to talk about the great replacement and that their kids don't write to them anymore. My grandma's (laughs) on Facebook. And that's what Facebook is useful for. It's gotten really big Mm. because, like, late career, early retiree boomers Mm. like to use it to post about how, you know, um, number one... Um, anti-Semitism in the Democratic Party, represented by Ilan Omar leveling a mild criticism of Israel, is a cancer. But also that George Soros is trying to replace us all with Mexicans. Yeah, That's what Facebook is doing, and it's providing a valuable service. Uh, So, Nick Clegg goes on. Mr. Hughes is right that companies should be held accountable for their actions. If people were writing the rules for the internet from scratch today, they wouldn't want so many important social, political, and ethical questions left in the hands of private companies. Yeah, if the rules of the internet hadn't been written by a bunch of slave owners in 1776, we'd be in a much different internet today. And this is this is what's great. This is why I like this article. It's a lot like Megan McArdle, I think, who's just like, yes, there are problems, but the solutions are complex, so we can't do anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, but the challenges he alludes to, including enter- election interference and privacy safeguards, won't evaporate by breaking up Facebook or any other big tech company. No, it would just be a big part of the solution. Yeah, yeah. And it's something you hear over and over again that like, oh, what is breaking up Facebook going to solve? And it's like, just a lot of problems, just a huge number of problems. <laughs> it would just, I, I, I'm just skimming this article now. And I've just noticed like he manages to not even mention WhatsApp. Like he talks about the power Facebook has and he has like a single mention of Instagram and he can't like even find space to mention like a platform that has 1.5 billion users. That's how big Facebook is, that something as huge as that can just doesn't even mm. men- merit a note, merit no. a mention. It's crazy. No, but they, but the poke, 
that let people be, uh, talk to one another without needing to do a full sentence. So Farm, yeah. Farmville, you know. do you remember Farmville? Exactly. Oh, Are yeah. we willing to give all that up? <laughs> That's true. That's just true. to you know regain regain control over our communication interfaces. That's going to be like Matt Hancock's solution to climate change, like destroying <laughs> destroying all of the farmland is going to be. But we can farm online. <laughs> There's this great Facebook thing I've discovered called Facebook Farmville. Is this, is this a, is this a cool platform where you can stalk? You know, pictures of like you know the neighbor that you fancy, like her her like Spain 08 pictures. Um, no. You know, oh, you can, <laughs> uh, that's so dark. I know, right? But like, <laughs> you know, that's what your dad's doing online. I'm sorry, to, sorry to say that. That and great um, replacement stuff. Yeah, sharing great replacement <laughs> stuff. Fighting with your fighting with your neighbor. Ilhan um, <laughs> Omar wants to take away Spain. Oh wait, we cannot allow this to happen. <laughs> and that's really what Nick Clegg is doing. He's defending the right. To look at pictures of Spain away. <laughs> so I was I was trying to find this album that has disappeared off Spotify and a bunch of streaming sites, and I couldn't find it because it just was a small label that folded. And so I was like, "Fuck! I'm gonna have to go on like the old MP3s forum that I was a member of in like 2005 and see if it's still around." And it's still around. And I logged in and I happened to notice a thread that had been bumped from like 2007. And so I was like, "Hey, did anybody have you guys tried out Twitter?" And people were like, "I don't know. Sharing stuff like this about every detail in your life, this just seems like too much. It's just oversharing. Like, I don't like the way this is going." This is from 2007. I'm like, buddy, it's about to get <laughs> so much come fucking worse from the future. You should, oh my god! You should you should, you should, po- you should post in that thread and just be like, "Yo, is anyone on Twitter?" Uh, <laughs> I actually have looked in some of them, and they're, they're super normie accounts. No surprise, but yeah. Uh, so uh, back to Clegg. We employ 38,000 people globally, and every day more than 2 billion people use Facebook, Instagram, or one of our other products. <laughs> Couldn't think <laughs> like of which one. Like, look at More than 90 million small businesses thrive with the help of our platforms because they can reach a global audience for the first time. And nonprofits of every size raise money and promote their causes across 200 countries and in every time zone. We're very proud of that. Mm. And also, apparently, we need to stay as one privately held entity to continue doing that. Because the sun unless never we, sets on the Facebook empire. Because yeah. unless like five people own 100% of it, then none of those good things will happen, mm. obviously. Yeah. Um, so in this competitive environment, it's hard to sustain the claim that Facebook is a monopoly. Almost all of our revenue comes from digital advertising, and most estimates say Facebook's share is only about 20% of the United States online ad market, which means actually 80% of ads happen off of our platforms. I'm not quite Amazing. sure if I... I mean, I'm sure that's right, but otherwise he, w- he would have been called out for it, but I can't quite believe that there's such a small share. I'm sure there's some fudging of the numbers there. But also, like, the other thing is, like, okay, fine, Facebook is about 20% of, of online advertising in the United States, but, I don't know, Google is most is probably most of the rest. I was going to say, yeah, Google, YouTube, mm. I guess YouTube falls yeah. under Google, yeah. and then, yeah, like, yeah. banner ad roulettes or some shit. I don't right? know. Like, that's, yeah. like, 5%. Yeah. Chatterbank.com yeah. is the other 20%. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so Nick, Nick Clegg is like, look, the technical definition of, an, of a monopoly is when one company controls everything, but in this case, it's, like, two. We've got a duopoly. It's fine. That's no friend of them. It's twice the number. <laughs> We've doubled it for you. It's not a monarchy. It's an oligarchy. That's fine. Uh, I, this is basically like bootlicker Tammy Wynette isn't it it's like sometimes it's hard to be a monopoly (laughs) giving all your love to just a few shareholders (laughs) 
Um, he says, and any and laws designed to break up Facebook, developed as they were in the 1800s, are not meant to punish a company because people disagree with its management. This is basically the this is the the New York Times op-ed version of that Delta Airlines thing. But you can be playing video games instead of joining a union. Yeah. You don't need unions. You need to buy a PlayStation. It's like. We what's, don't need those old laws written by men with monocles and top hats. They don't apply anymore. We have apps. <laughs> yeah. What seems to be weird as well is that like it seems to be like this revival of that Mitt Romney thing, that R- Mitt Romney gaffe at the time of like, you know, corporations are people. Mm. And it's just kind of bizarre how that's come back and not only how, how that's come back, but also like the guy who's kind of pushing that happens to be like the former liberal Democrat leader. Um... Are we really that surprised? I'm not really that surprised. I guess, I guess, like mm. maybe 2010, me would have been, "Wow, you betrayed us, Nick." But then also, like, <laughs> also, um, that's another thing where that you you have to go back to the old form and be like, "Buddy, I've got some really bad news for you." <laughs> right? And it's, and it's also, it's is your name Nick Clegg? <laughs> From the future. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing where it's like Nick Clegg basically seems to be positioning Facebook not just as like a per, like a per, a legal person, but like as a person with feelings. Like, mm. hey, don't. Punch Punish Facebook just because you're jealous. <laughs> it's like, you know, when I feel this way, I turn to Facebook and Facebook provided me with this great meme that said, jealousy is a disease, bitch. Get well soon. <laughs> you know what? You should apply that to your life. <laughs> it says, their main purpose should be to protect consumers by ensuring they have access to low cost, high quality products and services. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, like protecting them from, say, being spied on, <laughs> protecting them from a company that provides artificially low cost services like say for free funded by advertisers and then is able to build a wall around those users so it's like nick clegg appears to have given himself a head injury and then read about (laughs) antitrust laws and concluded that they're all about how actually america was jealous of the railway barons and we're all jealous of mark zuckerberg now and like Mm. this company has to do some self-care so can we all please just leave facebook alone nick clegg writes his articles in the same office as brendan o'neill and there's like a huge newton's cradle of like wrecking balls between them that concurrently strikes Brendan O'Neill in the head and then strikes Nick Clegg in the head as they both smash away like monkeys at typewriters. <laughs> yeah, it's it's legal reasoning if you have a head injury. Yeah. So the article concludes, big in itself isn't bad and success shouldn't be penalized. Our success has given billions of people around the world access to new ways of communicating with one another. Earning money from ads means we can provide those tools to people for free. Facebook shouldn't be broken up, but it does need to be held to account, but not in any meaningful way. No, in no, a way no. that Mark Zuckerberg strongly shapes, yes. and uh, he's, yeah. he's already in the process of capturing that regulation. <laughs> oh, yeah, in Great. a sitcom way that's kind of like, oh, Facebook, what have you done this time? <laughs> Facebook's that's trying crazy. Instead <laughs> of boys will be boys, it's platform monopolists will be platform monopolists. Um, anyone worried about the challenges we face in an online world should look at getting the rules of the internet right not dismantling successful American companies so Nate that meme you were talking about earlier jealousy disease here's the cure whatever that's yeah. this, this is what Nick Clegg has written he's mm. a he's become a Facebook guy from working at Facebook <laughs> <laughs> I mean we said this was going to happen we said that Nick Clegg was going to go to Facebook and instead of being like the, the celebrity hire that they just hired for this Rolodex he was going to be like no I, I really want to like embrace the Facebook ethos yeah. and he's done it he's done it yeah. he got his first byline of the yeah. Facebook guy <laughs> Nick, Nick Clegg is definitely like one of those guys who still walks around the Facebook HQ in like flip flops but in like a full suit oh absolutely <laughs> cargo um, shorts baby he's like the type of guy who still gets excited by the idea that you can get like seven different types of juices mm. from the Facebook canteen he's it's still like, excited what? about the climbing wall <laughs> uh, it's like you 
They, they give me lunch here for free. Whoa, thanks, Facebook. <laughs> Damn, I can't believe other people are Damn. trying to hurt you, Facebook. You've always done right by me, Nick Clegg. He gets like really excited at the end of the month when all the new merch comes out. He's still like really fascinated with the idea that you can like buy a keyboard from a vending machine. It's like, whoa, it's crazy, dude. <laughs> He's the Incredible. only person still posting, like, still posting, like, oh, I just got back from a trip to Spain with my family. Gonna share some inspiring photos with you, my friends. And Facebook like, he does friends. like a photo dump of like sixty yeah. photos oh, on his, like, on his, on He his actually photo. still makes galleries on Facebook. And yeah. Now we can all them and everything. And now we can all look at Nick Cle- at Nick Clegg in Spain. Oh wait, back when he was hot. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I think that's all we have time for today. So uh, follow us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, follow us on Facebook. <laughs> we do actually yeah. have a Facebook page. <laughs> Someone please break Nick Clegg out of the clearly like prison cell he's being held in at Facebook, where they're forcing him to write these things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, thank you very much for coming out. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Good you. Fun. And uh, also, as ever, we've got a live show happening on the thirtieth of May. The Star of Kings in London. The ticket link will be in the description. And we're going to Cambridge. On the 15th of June. The 15th. Wait, wait which uh, 15th one? 15th of June. 15th of June. We both said 15th of June. <laughs> yeah. Which one? You just the, were dreaming both. 14th of June because you always get the I date was, wrong. I was thinking 14th of June. But it is 15th of June. We can't stress <laughs> that enough. And it's at Wolfson College. And there will also be a ticket link in the description. Similarly, tomorrow tomorrow today this is coming out midnight on tuesday morning isn't it yeah this will be early tuesday morning tonight if you are in the cambridge area uh there will be i'm doing uh uh, my tour show pindos about how i got famous in russia at the adc theater and it's it's a lot of seats and i've not sold enough of them lads uh so if you live if you live a a drivable distance to cambridge i will sign your tits if you come to my show um (laughs) post in your facebook wall yeah it's 11 p.m i'll post on your wall i'll play farmville with you whatever just come to my show 11 p.m. ADC Theatre. I'll, cl- I'll clean your house in the Gundam scene. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Clegg, you can probably you can get someone else on Farmville. Go see Milo in, in Cambridge. Also, one other thing: uh, the 15th of May is the last date to vote for the British Podcast Awards. For oh, right. our I forgot, about, I forgot about this. I totally yeah. forgot about the we British Podcast Awards. We all forgot about this because we, we're, 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 we're not serious. We're not actual <laughs> serious podcasters. We're not the Romaniacs who are good at their jobs. No, no, no. God no. Um, no. So we'll have the vote link in the description for that. And um, I think that's more or less it. Yeah, send pitches to um, follow gettingyourdicksuck.com. It's at G-Y-D-S-D-O-T-C-O-M on Twitter. It is. And just DM pitches for articles to that. Remember our style guide. It must be completely serious. No joke articles or you will be blacklisted. (laughs) Or you can write articles that are like funny but not satire. So they have to be like, it would have to be like an opinion piece that's funny, but yes. like, yeah. but it has to be the if if it wouldn't be if it wouldn't so like show up in like Jacobin or Current Affairs or whatever. If it's like got dick jokes in it, it's not going in. <laughs> the only joke is in the URL. Yeah. Um, otherwise, subscribe to our Patreon. You know the drill, and we'll talk to you soon. Later. Later. Later.